Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Brady Breeze, a history-making game as we welcome you inside to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Key, guys, Jay, we'd never had two 40-year-old quarterbacks play in the same game. These are the top two guys in terms of passing yardage in the history of the league. Drew Brees, I almost chuckle as I say this, Drew Brees said after the game, I played terribly, yet that was enough to defeat the greatest player in the history of the National Football League. Well, Tom didn't play well. Uh, And you you could look at the actual game and you could tell that there was some struggles there, miscommunication there. He's, it's first game. He didn't really have a true training camp. There was no major OTAs or offseason. And I think as the season wears on, you'll see that Tom will get better. I'm not worried about him. I just feel like when you watch <laughs> – first off, the Saints are going to win. They're at home. Uh, first, all the lines they had after the game about uh, there being no sounds, and they're like, well, we're playing Tampa Bay in the stadium. It was kind of cold. cold. It's very cold-blooded. When we look at Tom Brady, I mean, look, he's he's making a bet against the youthful talent that he has, Key. When you think about the weapons that he has, he still has so many weapons. He seemed out of sync. Obviously, their penalties excess to over 100-plus yards. But in, in time, Tom's, I'm going to bet on Tom Brady figuring this out instead of saying that he's going to be on the wrong side of 40. No, and I'm, that he, I'm He's losing it. Everybody, I'm fine I don't want people him. just to blow things out of proportion. Like, what's wrong with Tom? He they, doesn't have they, it anymore. They may not win the division. They may not win the division, but they're certainly going to be around. They may not even make it to the playoffs, but they're going to be around. I'm not, I'm not worried about him. Again, Mike Evans got to get on the same page with him, got to continue to run through the route. Uh, he's got to do a better job from the other side of the hash, throwing an out route, anticipation, letting it go earlier. And it, it's just a matter of getting things taken care of, going back to the film, reassessing, self-check, evaluating what went wrong and correcting it. They got Carolina Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, in their home opener. Two games tonight to bring week one to a close. Giants-Steelers, and then the Titans and the Broncos, both on ESPN. And on the latter, we'll have Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick, our new Monday Night Football team. The Monday Night Football preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. It's a pleasure to welcome Lou Riddick in on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Lou, tonight you're going to get to see a couple quarterbacks that have plenty to prove to their fan bases in Ryan Tannehill and Drew Locke. But I want to start with, obviously, the guys we just talked about, the guys that have nothing left to prove, Brady and Breeze, and your thoughts on what you saw from both of them yesterday. Yeah, I think with, with Tom, as everybody's you know talked about already, he just, he's trying to figure out right now, and, and Bruce Arians talked about this in their, in their post-game comments, Tom's trying to figure out what exactly do we do best in real game time situations? What do our guys do best? And I think you're, you're learning. It's, like, it's kind of like on-the-job training for the first time in his, in his career. And you could see both in Bruce's actions on the sideline and then in his post-game comments on Tom's actions on the field and then how he sounded in his post-game comments that this is still going to be a learning process. And see, whereas, you know, in most cases you would say, well, they've got time. It's the first game, et cetera, et cetera. It's interesting because when I talk to people, you know, who are actually, you know, whose lives are, you know, who kind of like live and die with every one win and loss, because this year they're they're really cognizant of trying to get quick starts because they don't know how the season's going to go once we get in October and November and December. They don't know how guys are going to react to staying disciplined as far as COVID and all. And they don't know how their teams are going to look. So people are putting a lot of emphasis on fast starts. And so what does that do? that puts guys like Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints at an advantage because they have that familiarity that him and Sean Payton have been together for so long. And although Drew didn't play that great either, 
What you still saw, though, was in crucial situations, crucial situational football situations, they knew what they wanted to do. They knew who they wanted to go to. They knew they wanted to get the ball to Alvin Kamara as much as possible on some of the plays that he really likes. They even knew, like, down on the goal line on the touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders. They knew with that quick in-and-out motion, that's one of their go-to plays. If it's not Emmanuel Sanders, you know, that, that has been Michael Thomas who's run that route. They've run that route for 10, 15 years. So, I mean, they know what they want to get to. So they can overcome sloppy execution. So it's interesting in those two situations with with Drew, people would look at that game and go, Drew looks like maybe, you know, he doesn't have the same kind of horsepower in his arm. Maybe, you know, this is the eventual downturn for him. They always have stuff that they know they can go to. And that's because of that familiarity with Tom. Whereas I'm not concerned, as Keyshawn has said, I'm a little concerned only because, the importance, the greater importance that the early part of the season is going to have this year. And I know that because that's what people have been telling me. We want to come out of the gates fast. We don't want to get behind heading into October. When you talk about concern, that performance yesterday by Lamar Jackson, there's no concern there for Baltimore. They took them to the woodshed. Cleveland looked like a different, well, they basically look like the same ball club from a year ago. Uh, Lewis, what did you see in Lamar? I see a guy who, Look, man, he, he, he knows what he needs to improve upon in order to take his game to an even higher level, which really at this point is ridiculous considering what he's already done. And, one of, and what that was as far as taking his game to the next level was his ability to still throw the football, not just between the numbers, but outside the numbers and throw it with great accuracy when people kind of keep him contained inside the pocket and don't allow him to get out on the edges. And he showed that. And look, he's 20 over 25. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. That kind of efficiency coming right out of the gate shows you that this offseason, he worked on the things that he still felt that he needed to work on to take his game to a higher level. And you're right, you always have to consider the opponent and keep it in context. And the Browns are still tr- are trying to learn yet another new coaching staff. And, you know, and they're fighting all kinds of perception and all kinds of self-doubt that they inherently are going to have up there because they haven't won anything in forever. But when you just keep it to Baltimore and their level of execution, what Lamar's doing, look, man, we're, we're, I'm, just, I'm just happy that in two weeks or three weeks, we get to see him and Pat Mahomes together on Monday Night Football, which is just going to be – I mean, that's just going to be insane, that kind of matchup. But Lamar, he picked up right where he's left off. And it's going to be – he's going to be right there for the MVP again, guarantee it. Lou, let's talk about the Monday Night Football matchups. Uh, we have the Giants versus the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers have uh, – they rush the passer better than any other team in the NFL. Do the Giants have enough to keep Daniel Jones protected? What are some of the keys to that game? Yeah, I think protection for sure on Daniel's part, protection of himself and protection of the football. We know that his ball security in the pocket is a problem. Pittsburgh has a number of ways to disrupt the passer. They have two on the edge within the scheme of their context. You know, with Watt and Bud Dupree, they have one of the best ball hawks in the back end as far as creating turnovers and Minka Fitzpatrick. And then Big Ben's coming back. So you know he's going to put up some points. He's got some fantastic weapons on the perimeter. So you know Pittsburgh's going to get theirs. So the Giants are going to have to make sure that they maximize every one of their possessions. They're going to have to make sure they get Saquon going early and often and don't fall behind. And we'll see what the, you know, what the new defense looks like. We'll see if they've made any improvements on that side of the ball in order to you know, keep Pittsburgh in check. Because, again, this is another one of those situations where veteran coaching staff, veteran quarterback, 
a known way of doing things in Pittsburgh versus Joe Judge, second-year quarterback, learning another new system with a new offensive coordinator you know, and, and an organization that's been in a state of flux for a while now with the New York Giants. So it's obviously big advantage Pittsburgh. Lewis Riddick, ESPN's Monday Night Football Analyst, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Lou, you're calling the game tonight. Titans up in Denver in Mile High. Denver without Von Miller, so there's less pressure on Tannehill uh, from a defensive standpoint. What are we expecting to see out of the offense from Denver with the young quarterback, Drew Locke? Yeah, I think, you know, in, in talking to Drew, you know, in the in opportunities that we've had to talk to him, I think what you what you should see is a guy who is going to, I, I think you're going to see the full, you know, breadth of his arsenal on display, meaning this, you're going to see quick passes. You're going to see five-step rhythm passes. You'll see lots of play action change the launch point, whether it be play action, straight drop back, play action, roll out, because he's a fantastic athlete. I think, you know, as long as Cortland Sutton plays, you're going to see one of the new up-and-coming, big-time, bigger wide receivers that we have in the NFL. Their first-round pick, Jerry Judy, is dynamic. Their former first-round pick last year, Noah Fant, a tight end, one of the best catch-and-run tight ends in the NFL. So I think you'll see them try to spread the ball out to their playmakers on the perimeter and get it in their hands quickly because they're deficient, Keyshawn, up front. They're deficient on long offensive line, and that's where Tennessee is tough. That's where Tennessee has got some game records, man. They've got Jeffrey Simmons. They just, you know, got to Debbie and Clowney. Harold Landry is a good pass rusher on the perimeter. And they can throw a bunch of different stuff at you in terms of rush packages that could really confuse a young quarterback. So I think ball out of his hands quick, get it to the playmakers. That's what you'll see from Denver's offense. Let's look to the other side of the ball in Tennessee. No Von Miller on the defensive side for Denver, but Tennessee likes to run the ball a lot, but this is an opportunity for Tannehill to display some arm talent, I would assume. Yeah, and and I think he's going to have to put the ball up a little bit because, you know, similar to Tennessee, Denver's strength is still their front seven, especially their interior three and their base 34 fronts. I mean, these guys whipped Tennessee last year, week six, when Tennessee came here to Denver. Derrick Henry had his worst game of the year, but in terms of total yards, rushing and average per carry. He couldn't get anything going. They were attacking the line of scrimmage play after play. The safeties were real aggressive down in the run front. So I'd assume that they're going to try and make, like every defense does, they're going to try and make Tennessee one-dimensional again. They're going to take away the big dog and see if they can make Tannehill put the ball up in the air. But the one thing I would say about Tennessee is this. Don't think that last year was just a fluke with Ryan Tannehill as far as his efficiency. He is a, I mean, he's a gamer now, and he's a guy who's riding with a lot of confidence. And they've got some weapons on their edges, too, that are very much so underrated and under-talked about because of how good Derrick Henry is. But I can just tell you this, and Keyshawn, you notice, you've seen A.J. Brown play. This kid is legit, and he is a freak of nature from an athletic standpoint and a size-strength-speed standpoint. And, and John U. Smith, their tight end, their slot receiver, Adam Humphreys, they've got some people that can rip you if you give them an opportunity. They're not a high-volume passing team. But I have a feeling that they may have to throw the ball a little bit more tonight because you know Denver's going to sell out to stop the run. And that's what, that's kind of actually what I want to see. I want to see Tannehill throw it. So I, I, think we'll, I think we'll be in for some, for some good fireworks. This will be a tough physical battle between two tough physical football teams historically. So I can't wait to get it started. Yeah, QB matchup is so interesting. Right before you came on, Lou, we mentioned that last year Tennessee walked into Denver, lost 15-0. And that loss essentially ended the Mariota tenure and began the Tannehill tenure. And on the other side, the Broncos haven't even made the playoffs 
since Peyton Manning yeah. retired. Is Drew Locke the guy to get him back there? Drew, th- uh, excuse me, Lou, Lou, thank you very much. We'll see you on the call tonight. Drew Riddick, thank you. <laughs> you bet, man. All right, guys, take care. The Monday Night Football Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Drew Riddick tonight <laughs> from Denver, Colorado. We'll see Lou and company next week when the Saints on Monday Night Football are in Las Vegas. We'll get to their Week 2 Monday Night matchup against the Saints and what we saw out of Brady and Breeze. But first, let's get to this A to Z. So the Nuggets, out of nowhere, are down 3-1 against the Clippers. People are wondering, Lakers, Clippers... And then hang on. It might be Lakers Nuggets. The Nuggets got 34 and 14 from Nikola Jokic. <laughs> Jamal Murray scored 21. As Jay has said, his breakout in the bubble continues. Game seven for a chance to take on LeBron and company tomorrow night, 9 Eastern on ESPN with the Heat and the Celtics in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals right before that. So that's a big comeback for Denver. Speaking of comebacks, Dominic team rallying from two sets down to defeat Alexander Zverev in the men's U.S. Open final. Team dropped the first two sets, winning in five for his first major title, first men's player born in the 90s to win a Grand Slam. Whew, incredible. Naomi Osaka won the ladies' title Saturday in Flushing. And in the ultimate comeback, a couple good comebacks from the Nuggets and, and in tennis, 28-year-old Alec Mills, 15th major league start, 114 pitches. Nobody had heard of him. Before yesterday, now in some ways, he'll go down in the annals of Cubs lore forever. Pitching a no-hitter, 12-win-win over the Brewers. A 22nd-round pick out of Tennessee Martin. He had never spent a full season in the majors. And now joins Lucas Giolito of the other Chicago team, the White Sox, as the two guys that have tossed no-hitters in this condensed 2020 season. It's going to be the first time two 40-year-olds have ever started a football game. How cool is it? I'm sure I speak for both of us. I think we both pinch ourselves. And we'll get our first look at Tom Brady. Quarterback sneeze, fight, tap, ball, Tom Brady. Walks into the end zone, touchdown. Brady takes a gun snap. It's picked up. It will be a pick six. Take a 24-7 lead. Touchdown, O.J. Howard. It's a nice way to rebound. It has a man open. 46 yards. Reaches across, touchdown, Emmanuel Sanders. Tampa Bay falling behind by two touchdowns. If you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, you are pulling your hair out. Might be a little overdramatic. Keyshawn J. Will's even brought to you by Mako. Yes. Roll out refreshed with Mako, where paint and collision repair is easier and safer. Jay, you said while watching the game yesterday, I mean, yeah, the short-term returns weren't great, but if these two teams are playing for a right to play in Super Bowl 55 in Brady's own stadium in Tampa, you wouldn't be surprised. Look, the only reason I was making uh, extreme statements on a text chain yesterday with our group was just to get Keyshawn mad. <laughs> I mean, the reality is that it, it's the first game of the season. And without these guys having preseasons, OTAs, all these things that we heard Lewis Reddick talk about, I, I didn't expect Tom Brady to come out guns blazing his first game. Um, did I, I potentially think that they would be a little bit more in sync considering how Tom is? yes. But at the same time, I think you have to be patient with this offense. Look, they have all the weapons that you need. You're not going to blow things out of proportion with one game. But still, at the end of the day, Tom Brady and company will be there. They, they, they'll they be somewhere hanging around. I don't necessarily know that they're going to win the division uh, or if they will even make the playoffs. But they're going to they're going to be they're going to be in thorn to somebody's side. And, and much like you spoke about a minute ago, they do have some weapons. 
they have a lot of toys to play with from an offensive standpoint. But they've got to get in sync. They've got to get to know one another. The receivers, the coordinators, the quarterback, the running backs, because you can't have the same repeat game plan that you went into the game with in New Orleans and expect the same type of outcome, or else you'll be at home come playoff time. They've got to just continue to go back to the lab on Monday, which is today, look at the film, reassess what it was that they did wrong, and correct it. Correct the little mistakes. Here's why fast starts this year in the NFL are more important than ever. We don't know what's going to happen as we move into – you know, the fall season, the yeah. flu, COVID. We don't know how, what players will be disciplined enough. So if you get behind and you get taken out of the race, I mean, that can make a ma- major difference. Let me ask you this. Take me inside. For years you did this. You went into a quarterback wide receiver offensive meeting room today. Today, Arians, I know he's the head coach, but he's offensive minded. You got Brady. You got Gronk, who was a non-factor. Evans wasn't a non-factor until late. Um, what happens inside an offensive meeting room today when you know you have it, but it just hasn't come together yet? Well, you, you, you correct the little things as conversations over the film, like the particular, particular route that Evans ran, which was a, a, a dig route. He'd stop thinking it was zone when he could have kept going to the second hole. Brady's thinking he's going to go to the second hole, so he is there to throw. So you, what you do is you now put that film up and you just, you know, the little pin show, okay, I'm looking for you to go into the second window. There's communication where – you're looking at that linebacker, the first thing they'll tell him is go to the second window. Let let the linebacker uncover you, slide to the second window, Brady will protect you, put it on your shoulders. Then they'll go and look at the, the out route from the other hash. They'll tell Brady, you need to get rid of the ball faster. He'll tell himself, I got to get rid of the ball fast. As soon as he let it go, I promise you he said damn or some other words that I can't use. Right. But as soon as he let it go, the first thing he said to himself is damn because – had he let it go a tick earlier, it's a completion. It was a little late. So, therefore, when the receiver broke the route, the corner drove, the ball was still in the air, he picked it and went the other way. Those are little mistakes that you can correct for sure. Janoris Jenkins on that pick six, as you mentioned. Keyshaw and Jay Will Zubin brought to you by Mako. Roll out refresh with Mako, where paint and collision repair is easier and safer. Everybody in the world has an opinion on Tom Brady's performance yesterday. Everybody in the world got opinions on a lot of things. That's true. Including here's, us. Here's Tom Brady's <laughs> opinion on his performance. Well, I think certainly poor execution. And, uh, you know, that's what it comes down to. It's a game of execution. And uh, obviously they, you know, made more plays than we did. And I made some just bad terrible turnovers and it's hard to win uh turn the ball over like that so that's a I obviously got to do a lot better job yeah and and that's he's saying the same thing just got a poor execution got to do a better job go back take a look at the film with Brian Leftwich offensive coordinator in Tampa Bruce Arians the head coach they'll sit down they'll ask Tom again what is it that you like He'll give them some plays. They'll go over that. They'll look at some stuff that he did in New England in the past that was successful, along with the tight ends. And they'll sit in an offensive meeting room and just hash it out. Jay, do you think that's oh, good? Gronk did look a little bit gassed towards the end of that game. So I think him working himself into, into conditioning is going to be imperative. But still, look at the weapons that they have. Would anybody be shocked that these teams are in an NFC championship game? Not at all. No. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be shocked at all. But. It's going to be tough. (laughs) That's for damn sure. Take me inside your athletic background, obviously playing basketball or football in this regard. Is it just simply, I don't want to make this too trite or too obvious, but like the Saints have generally been together for a while. Kamara, this, that, Michael Thomas, your nephew, all that together. And the Pats are just figuring each other out. As an athlete, 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Is it just one of those things where if you just haven't had any time to gel, it's just it's just hard to do so, and the other team's kind of been together for years offensively. What happens in football is practice is practice, right? You you're you're out there. It's different because guys can sit on your routes in practice. Guys aren't going a hundred miles an hour. It's like they take two steps toward Tom Brady. First thing they do is blow the whistle. They run the ball. The the holes are is is, is wide. It could be a Mack truck can drive through them. Where when you get in the games, it's a little bit different. That guy in practice that you was expecting to sit there is not there anymore. Or that guy in that wasn't in the hole in practice, he's in the hole now. So it's a it's a little bit different. And this is the first time that they get an opportunity to see live bullets thrown at them. The only thing I would say for Tom Brady, and I'm sure he has the ability to do this, is you you learn quickly and you move forward, right? Like you have to have a short memory in order mm-hmm. to be great. Because my thing, you can't sulk in this one game. I mean, they're, they're going to have another opportunity next week. So you bring it right then there. We'll see. They'll have Carolina at home in their first home game. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Still to come. They've been battling it out for years. They're big rivals, the Cowboys and the Eagles. They both started 0-1. So who are you more worried about in a division that never tends to produce a repeat winner, which wouldn't be great news for Philly. The guys' thoughts on that. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Key, you just heard there from Mike McCarthy. He was said to be the best head coaching hire of the offseason. One thing that we haven't talked about, I want to get your thoughts, obviously, and Jay's thoughts on the offense. Just a couple of housekeeping items with the Cowboys because everything they do is such a big deal. They lost their tight end, Blake Jarwin. They are thinking it possibly could be a torn ACL. Leighton Vander Esch, who hadn't played since week 10 of last season, has got a fractured collarbone. And offensive tackle Cameron Irving left with a left knee injury, and they lost the game to the Rams. Other than that, everything's fine. Everything, yeah, everything's fine. Long trip back to Texas. Um, look, when you when you talk about fourth and three with 11 minutes to go in a game, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. They had an opportunity to get the ball back. That didn't change the game. It was if You take the points if you wanted to because you still got 11 minutes to go in a game, but if you – 
score if you if you convert on that fourth and three with eleven minutes to go in the game, you keep the ball, you score a touchdown, you give yourself an opportunity to go up even more now by four points if you score a touchdown, kick a field goal, you move forward. It didn't happen. CeeDee Lamb is a young wide receiver who did not get the necessary depth past the first down marker. He hesitated and he peaked. You can see where he was kind of picking his way through on the shallow cross because when you're young and you don't really know, you come flying across there, you don't recognize it's man coverage and not zone. You know, he's thinking it's zone because the linebackers are right there in the middle. So he's picking his way through instead of the stair stepping. What I mean by stair stepping is once you come across and you get to the center guard box, you kind of go vertical for a couple steps before you go back on your course again. And that's not something he was able to do. Now he'll do it next time around because that was a mistake that was made in terms of running a shallow cross, just running straight across. The defender can close down on you a lot faster by doing it that way, and you can see what the Rams did to him. Key, let me ask you as a football expert here, because last year you see despite finishing last season as a top-10 offense in the NFL for the Cowboys, the Cowboys offense was in the bottom half of the league on first downs, right? So obviously, again, Mike McCarthy, you think they would do a lot more throwing on first downs, that aerial attack, but it seems like with Kellen Moore, it's still much the same offense that we saw last year. Well, it is the same offense. Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator. I understand, but it, it, you it would think that change. Mike McCarthy would put more of his stamp on this offense. He's got some plays in, I'm sure, from a game plan standpoint, but they kept Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore did a good job at times. Plus, they wanted to keep the continuity with a young quarterback and Amari Cooper, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. They kind of wanted to keep the same system in place, adding a little bit of Mike McCarthy's system to it. And I'm sure if, if you go back and watch the entire game on the All-22, I'm sure there's some plays in there that we didn't see last year that came from Mike McCarthy and his vault in Green Bay. I'm almost positive of that. But what happens is Kellen Moore is not calling the plays by itself. Mike McCarthy certainly is giving him some advice. He's asking him, what's your best play on fourth and three? What's your best play on third and third and seven? What's your best play on first and 10? What's our best run to the outside? And he'll relay what he thinks it is. And Mike McCarthy will say, no, I don't like that. Give me something else. And that's kind of the communication that goes back and forward with offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, and head coaches. I'm just curious how long that relationship will be happy in a happy place. If you continue to go the opposite way offensively, will Mike McCarthy take more of a responsibility and start saying that's not really how we're going to do things? Well, I've seen up close in person a head coach take the play calling sheet from an offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. before. Well, I was standing on the sideline. I'm like, damn, you're supposed to be in the box. What you doing standing next to me? (laughs) Because the head coach was like, come on down here with me, buddy, because you obviously – don't get it, and he started calling the plays. And all 22, just for people that don't know, that's the view where you see 11 on 11? 11 on 11. Basically, the, 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 the sky cam from above, when you say the all 22. It's actual game footage from the teams, basically. Okay, basically, I think it's fair to say that the Cowboys struggled, but certainly could have won. The Eagles are up 17 nothing, and certainly should have won, but didn't. They're both 0-1. If the Giants lose tonight on Monday Night Football on ESPN against the Steelers, then the Washington football team, mired in turmoil, will be sitting at 1-0 while the other teams will be looking for that first win of the season. So the question really is, many people thought the two division teams that would be battling it out for the crown would be the Cowboys and the Eagles, or the Giants and the Redskins, or the Washington football team a pace or two behind. The Cowboys and Eagles, as we mentioned, not that great yesterday. Our Dan Orlovsky was on our program earlier this morning and said you can give the quarterbacks all the credit when they win, but this time you got to throw it down on Wenson Peterson, who lost the game 
for the Eagles head coach and QB. I got to go on and say today that they lost it. And it was just a careless, selfish style of play. It, it was disappointing to see. He's got to bear the burden of that. It has to get corrected. It is not going to be some magic potion where they're going to get healthy overnight. It has to get corrected now. And disappointed, it's week one. I still am a massive believer and supporter of him. But to lose that game because your quarterback played that kind of selfishly and and just didn't think his way through things is disappointing. If you're asking, if the question is, you know, who are you more concerned about? I'm more concerned about the Eagles, more so than I'm concerned about Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to be okay. They have enough talent to be fine. The Eagles' O-line is decimated, Key. It's decimated. I think they lost two or three guys the other day in the first half. And to watch how many times Carson Wentz, I think he got sacked eight times. To watch him understanding that he has a history of being injury-prone, I'm definitely way more worried about Carson Wentz and the Eagles. It was a couple times in that game I didn't think he was going to get up from the deck, though. It looked like, you know, he was slow to get up. But I think when you look at Carson Wentz, I am worried about the Philadelphia Eagles, but I was always worried about the Philadelphia Eagles. I was never, like, thinking that they were going to run away with the division or win the division. I thought the Cowboys certainly would win the division. Carson Wentz didn't have his best game at all. Um, I think a lot is put on his shoulders because of the big contract, and he hasn't played – you know, that great last year, he had a, a decent year, but I think based on where he was selected, the money that he got, you expect for him to keep continuing to get better and better and better. Where yesterday, for whatever reason, against this particular team, he kind of took a step back. I mean, you could say the offensive line was decimated. You could say that the, the Jack Del Rio and his defensive line certainly got after him, which he did, which dialing up blitzes and confusing him certainly was the case. Um, Will he come out of this better next game around? Probably so. Will he not make some of the same mistakes that he made yesterday in terms of interceptions? Probably so. But until he shows us that, all I can go off of is the film and the footage that I saw from yesterday's game. When I see Orlovsky say a quarterback is playing selfish, like what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I I had no idea what he meant by that um, because they were throwing the ball. I don't know. I, I literally don't know what he meant by that. I just. I just shook my head. Yeah, okay. Because I, I didn't know what he meant by a quarterback is playing selfish. Um, they, they, he, he tried to throw the out route that was intercepted, but the corner was looking at him the entire time. He had his butt to the sideline and his head turned inside. So when Carson went to throw the ball, all he did was plant, drove on the ball exactly what he was supposed to do. The ball was slightly thrown inside, but the corner was able to see it. And, and when that happens – He's going to get the interception. Even if he threw the ball on the outside where it was supposed to go, the corner had planted and drove on the ball. It was either going to be a knockdown or an interception. And then the other one, we stepped in front. Carson was late to. But again, they baited him into that. They confused him into it. And I'll say this. You know, we sit up here and talk about Carson Wentz all you want. We talked about the fact that he has a history of being injury prone. Do you know who they play next week? Did you see the way Aaron Donald hit Ezekiel Elliott last night? Knowing that he is coming at your head, a decimated offensive line is not what you need right now. No doubt, because that is a great point. The uh, litmus test for the NFC East right now might be the Rams, right? Because they got the Cowboys last night. They might have a chance to clip the Eagles on Seems like they play the Sunday. Eagles every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks like, obviously, since they've played the, uh, half the teams through week two, that they'll be playing the NFC East. But that'll be interesting, because the Cowboys themselves are in a little bit of a pickle as well. We'll see what they'll be able to do and when they take on the Atlanta Falcons 
at home. Still to come, everybody's talking, sure, sure, everybody's talking about what happened with the Lions blowing that lead and Trubisky throwing for three fourth-quarter touchdown passes. But it obscured something else that happened in that game that a lot of people were talking about. What is it? We'll have that for you. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. During the Lions game yesterday before Trubisky uh, turned into Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Since they're going to be linked forever, might as well just mention it, when he threw the three touchdown passes. Took some of that DNA. Man, it was something else. So basically yesterday, the Bears' David Montgomery picks up 16 yards on the ground. Jamie Collins for the Lions came over, played with Patricia in New England, appeared to be protesting that Montgomery illegally lowered his head as a runner and then sort of tried to demonstrate that action to the official. Jay, I don't think there was anything malicious there. But he did make contact, and it caused quite a stir. So I would say this. Seeing the game, and I was watching Red Zone yesterday, I, I saw him put down his head. He hit the ref. I, I thought that was the right call. I got to tell you guys, though, today, after getting the video and going through it with you guys, mm-hmm. it, it seems as if the referee turns his shoulder mm-hmm. and th- throws it into Collins, throws it into him, and then pulls up the flag. So – I know he put his head down because he's obviously trying to showcase, hey, this happened. But it looked like the ref is the one that initiated the contact. So I'm with with his Collins agent. Agent went online on Twitter and kind of blasted everybody for saying that, hey, it was the wrong call. I stand with him. No, it it certainly was the wrong call. But all Collins was doing was trying to – explained to him the referee did turn his shoulder but the referee saw that he was kneeling down he was trying to like get out the way to protect himself and for whatever reason he got ejected from it as far as the rules go yes that may be you can't touch the officials blah 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 but in this situation he knew good and well that Jamie Collins was trying to explain to him exactly what took place so the referee is filed for that throwing him out and ejecting him in that situation, even though the rules say you can't have contact with a referee. I've had contact with referees in the game where I was trying to demonstrate. And I didn't get kicked out. I didn't get flagged. I tell you, man, he pushed me. He did this. And I put my hands on him to show him. And it was like, okay, I got it. And that's it. No, it wasn't any – they didn't do anything. And I've done it multiple times. But I guess it's Detroit. When you're a loser, you get no benefits of the doubt. <laughs> you know, though, it's just interesting seeing refs and the kind of egos that sometimes refs have. 
And the fact that he throws up the flag, he, I don't know if you guys see the video, he keeps his hand up in the air after he throws the flag for Man, a I'm minute. I'm on TV. Right? Hey, it's me. <laughs> it's like in Basel sometimes you see guys make a call, they're like, and they'll walk all the way to the scoreboard table <laughs> with their hand out. You're like, come on, man. Like, you don't have to make a statement for everybody else here. I was just trying to talk to you. Yeah, you – yeah. See, he kind of – he leaned down a little bit. Jamie leaned down. And, and so the ref kind of was – I think the ref, from what I'm looking at, the referee kind of was trying to protect himself by moving to the side, which then pushed him toward Jamie's helmet even more. Now, I'm sure Jamie like, dude, I was just trying to show you. You can pick it up and wave it off. You don't have to eject it. And that was a pretty big acquisition for the, for the Lions, too, right? Seven-year, $30 million deal this, this offseason on defense? Absolutely. Eight-year vet. He's got a Super Bowl ring with New England. He was supposed to be a big-time playmaker there. Just for purposes of attribution, the official's name was Alex Kemp. I know there are some people out there, believe it or not, that know everything about all the officials. Yeah, I don't so. like putting official <laughs> names out there, but yeah, yeah. I but try that, to protect them by not doing that. But go, go right ahead, Z. That's Alex Kemp, if he's got anything to say about it, that's for sure. <laughs> so we got two games tonight. Your Giants are going to take on the Steelers. In the Monday Fumble. night football opener. It's not Nobody a good sign for us it. tonight. <laughs> not a good sign for, for uh, Danny Dimes, and we have need ball control. So what do you think? I mean, this is your team. you got a brand-new head coach, a new Joe era Judge. of Giants football. What do you say? You know, like Lewis Reddit said, I, I'm worried about us protecting Danny Dimes. I mean, with that pass-rushing defense, that's what they're known to do. And, you know, look, Danny Dimes, hopefully we can come out and we can play strong. Obviously, I think get Saquon going early rather than later. But I also I kind of worry about our secondary defensively, too. So there's some questions that the Giants have, obviously. Uh, I think you have to make Ben throw the ball early. But, look, I mean – the Steelers have all the pieces, man. They it's have all the pieces. A lot of new faces in that secondary for the Giants. There's no question that Big Ben's coming back. Like to see what him and Juju Juju Smith Schuster yep. can do in terms of getting on the same page. Let's see if Juju could have that year that he had with A.B. now that Big Ben is back in the saddle. Ben is in his 17th year in the league. He mentioned openly yeah, in the offseason. 17, 17 years. Year. By the way, here's another great one for you because I know you're a big Giant fan. Be able if you to take do a look it, at Eli and Peyton. Yesterday, first time in 22 years, there was no Manning playing. Think about that. First time in 22 years, we didn't have a Manning on a Sunday or a Monday. Yeah, it's, time to, it's time to move forward. He it's doesn't okay. seem impressed by that. I, so. I yeah. just, it's, okay, I mean, yeah. They're so right, used to being a part of our Sundays. No, I, I get it. And, but Ben did that. Archie the dad and Olivia the mom, I get it. We, yeah. <laughs> Got to throw Cooper in there, too. Thank you, Sean. And Cooper. And Cooper. And Cooper. We can't forget Cooper, either. <laughs> We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I want to get the whole 23andMe genealogy family, Manning family tree in there uh, for you tonight. One and else. the grandson, who's pretty good right now. Arch Manning. Arch Manning. Arch Manning. He's can't forget him, either. He's a huge high school stud. He's half-joking, but everybody is going to want no, Arch No, I'm Manning. serious. He's yeah. good. In two or three years, no, every he's college good. in America is going to want I Arch just, Manning. I, the reason I always laugh, because for many years, it was always... Eli, Peyton, Archie, Olivia. Oh, let's not forget about Cooper, right? right? It's right. just <laughs> he did have an injury which curtailed his football career, uh, but he has obviously done well by himself. Okay, so that's the deal. So we got Roethlisberger coming back for year seventeen against Jay's Giants, and then you got the Titans and the Broncos with Denver looking. Is Drew Locke? You know, Brian Greasy's on the call tonight, so Greasy had the unenviable task of trying to replace Elway, and now they've had a multitude of guys trying to replace Manning. Drew Locke is the latest one. Went four and one down the stretch last year. Questionable competition. What do you think of the Titans and the Broncos? Tonight? I think I think when you look at Drew Locke and what he did going four and one down the stretch, they went out and got Jared Judy. They went out and got Melvin Ingram. They went out and got uh, Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Gordon. Melvin Gordon. I'm sorry, Melvin Gordon. They went out and got. Uh, the Hamlin kid from Penn State. KJ, so, KJ Hamler. So, Hamler. So, when you start to think about a lot of the pieces that they're starting to surround him with, 
you think he's going to have success. And that's the key is making sure that you get the weapons so that your young quarterback that doesn't have to put everything on his shoulders. Now, Von Miller's not on the defensive side of the ball, but that defense is still pretty solid and sound. Let's see what they do. Derrick Henry, truck coming through. Ryan Tannehill, like Lewis Redder said, give him a lot more credit. And I, I think the veteran secondary of the Titans is going to make it very challenging for some of the young pieces that they have. He may, may mention a Jared Judy, uh, K.J. Hamler. Melvin Gordon is more of a veteran, but it's going to be interesting to see how Drew Locke handles that. Yeah, we'll see how Chubb bounces back as well. He had a little bit of an injury, and tonight for the Broncos, Cortland Sutton is dealing with a sprained AC exactly. joint in the shoulder. Questionable. So, right, so you definitely want, if you're Drew Locke, to have that guy You need out him there. available. No question about it, but we'll see. Melvin Gordon, they watched him in the division for so many years, and now he's on their side. Tonight, Steelers, Giants, Titans, Broncos, and that will wrap up week one. Come on, G-Man. strangest week one in NFL history. Jay's got his boys ready to go with the G-Man. We'll talk about it tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Eastern, for more Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.